everybody. Welcome back. I'm Sam Kirby. And my name's Delaire Rowe. And this is Arts for All Kentucky Stories. Uh, before we get started, we'd like to thank the Kentucky Arts Council and the Kentucky Department of Education Office of Special Education and Early Learning. Yes, they make this possible. So thank you. So we're excited to be back. We've got another guest here with us. Katavetti, thank you for, for coming in. You're very welcome. Have you ever done a podcast before? No, this is my first podcast. Well, we're excited to have you. I'm excited to be here. So the goal of this show is to kind of learn about a lot of different perspectives surrounding the Arts for All organization, um, whether that's, you know, artists, teachers, students, parents, whoever that is. So we want to hear your kind of Arts for All story, kind of starting at the beginning and where you kind of met the organization and how you got involved initially. Wow. I haven't thought about it in a long time. I think it was a side-by-side -side opportunity. We was it? first met at a frame shop. That was right. It was at Hobby Lobby. Uh-huh. And you were getting something framed. Uh-huh. And I had asked you, what were you getting framed? And kind of like, why? And if you knew maybe some other art opportunities? That's exactly it. He, We were there at the same time and uh, just started chatting. And, yeah. you know, what are you doing? And, and I don't think you had been in town very long at that point. No, you were I, new to town. I don't know if I had or not. I think I was getting a piece of artwork. Yep. Possibly framed. I can't even remember what <laughs> piece of artwork because I had a couple... One painting I did for my wife, I had to get framed, and I don't know if it was that time period or if it was my first U.S. Bank submission. I think it might have been the U.S. Bank show, and I took the opportunity to tell you about Arts for All Kentucky, and yeah. and then you came and we met, and things just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, that was so unexpected. I guess it was look like right place at the right time. I'll, I'll just say now that this has come up like probably four or five episodes that the fact that you're also an artist yourself, I think, has really benefited the recruitment of the organization. <laughs> it's like all the people I'm just like, well, where how did you get, you know, on the artist registry or like how did you get involved with the organization or hear about it? Like, well, I'm an artist and Delaire was painting and I saw her or I'm an artist and I saw Delaire at the, you know, frame shop, you know, so that. It seems like that's helped a lot. It does. <laughs> it, it, it We're kind of on the same wavelength, you know, in a lot of things. Even though we do, you know, represent the arts with an S, including media arts, but it helps to relate. Yeah, be a part of that community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I can definitely see that. So what is it that, and I know we were just kind of like piecing together the memory there, but like just anything about kind of that initial, you know, impression of the organization and that it's focused on, you know, arts access and, you know, mm -hmm. providing arts opportunities for those with disabilities. Like, it seems like, you know, initially you're just like, yeah, I'm down for that. I think it really helped guide, art has really helped guide me, I want to say through my life, because I have difficulty reading dyslexia. And it was hard for me to like, read things, remember things. And I think having visual images really helped me remember what something looked like or how a word was spelled to give me enough time to dissect it. Like remembering words is like symbols and images. So it, it was something that I never thought about like that really helped me, but I can see it kind of 
transition into the ability, like arts being that universal ability to help others too, mm-hmm. like problem solve or to, I guess, engineer something or figure something out, you know? Yeah, so for you, art was kind of the, I think people see art in a lot of different ways, but, you know, for some people, art is just kind of an, an additive, you know, it's a, something that they can, you know, they see a movie or they go and, you know, look at art in a gallery and that's something that they add to their life. But then for others where it means so much, it's kind of the glue, you know, it's kind of what, what helps build, build them. The thing that I'm thinking of and that comes to mind is like communication. It's different phases of, let's say, seeing the final product of artwork and the artist communicating an idea of, of expression that way or how to tie in the pieces to create what that was, you know? So it's like, I have an idea, but will this material help me the best way that it can convey, or is this the best material to use to get my idea across, you know, within that either communication or problem solving, you know, and you're always figuring out a solution or communication of, the final what went into the final product to communicate this idea and it's so much learning in that whole process whether it's internally like how did i figure out this process you know how do i understand how to make this part go with this part in order to get this result something simple as mixing paint Mm -hmm. or something and that is problem solving and the application of that problem so People that may be somewhat limited still have that ability to use that, you know, and learn from that complete process, Mm -hmm. you know. And I think it's depreciated sometimes when a person sees the final product and they don't know what actually went into it to Mm -hmm. the final communication. Like when someone looks at some artwork, I was speaking to somebody about that before, and they say, well, I can do that. And then they sit down to start and then don't really know where to start. Like a lot of people have ide- right. ideas, but don't know how to do the problem solving piece. And that's right. probably also what you've seen in kind of working with the people that you get to work with as well. Mm-hmm. Like when, when you're sitting down with them and, and I'd love to learn more about, you know, whether you're doing like side by sides or, you know, mm-hmm. classes or what that looks like. But when you're working with them, all you're really doing, you're not generally putting an idea in their head you're just helping them do the problem solving that's Help right them get to a final piece they're proud of and, and now so you can important. see why he is on our teaching artist roster <laughs> because he understands that concept and can really help a lot of students express themselves in a way that maybe they have never had the opportunity to do before that's right i i enjoy it and it's helped me understand things more too different approaches to the same thing you know if if a student is not able to or they may have limitations how do we modify it to help them get the given result when doing their assignments recently working with my project with audi world we have age gap like i think the youngest kid was probably seven and his oldest may be 17 you know Mm -hmm. all in the same group you know so how do you that the ability to simplify it so that the youngsters, the younger ones understand and can, you know, accomplish the same thing as the, the older kids. If you design it for the seven year old, the 17 year old's going to roll their eyes and be 
bored of it. And if you design it for the 17 year old, the seven year old's gonna might not be able to catch up, right. you know? So yeah, it's really cool. How do you go about approaching this scenario in particular between seven to 17? Do you kind of set a basis of what you want to create there somewhere in the middle and then kind of adapt down and adapt up? Or how have you approached this project? I normally start with the final idea and then I deconstruct it to reconstruct the assignments. You know, what is our final result? Whether that's a message that we're trying to teach the kids, whether it be like science and bees, you know, or if it's the, like for this particular assignment, the final result was to make a small uh, wiener dog out of the modeling clay and, and paint that. Mm -hmm. So we started off our process with our primary colors and how to mix the paint. You know, that was the basis, you know, cause some kids don't realize that all colors come from the foundation of the three colors. And then from that, get our secondary colors, you know, and then we start mixing those, you start getting your browns and then you get your tints and shades by adding the whites and the black. Mm -hmm. So we had that study first. And then from there, we took that and I think we transitioned into basic shapes and internal structures of objects, like what makes a building, everything in our environment has components in the inside that allow for it to have rigidity and structures. And we went through our simple shapes. So we went through them and I started off with the original drawing. I drew out a sketch of our dog and then I filled like an outline drawing mm -hmm. and I filled the framework with our simple shapes to fill the space of, to make it shape like that animal. So from there, we kind of took those shapes and cut them out in paper and used those simple shapes to make abstract, you know, animals with the simple shapes. Now you work with teachers uh, mm -hmm. as much as you do with the students. Yes. So what you're describing is a specific project mm -hmm. for a specific organization. And they mm -hmm. had, you know, certain things that they wanted to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And I know Prior to that, you were working with a school in Logan County who had a very unique project that was focused on bees. So that one was about the honeybee anatomy and the purpose of that bee in the environment. So mm -hmm. our whole theme was about adding to that environment with the bees. We made ceramic bee fountains mm -hmm. for that project, and it's a little fountain made out of clay where the bee can have a break or have a rest and get some water. I had never heard of it before. The mm -hmm. the bee like a cup, bee, like a bee, yep, it's like a, a bee, bee jacuzzi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. you know something that can collect water so that they can. And the you know, bees are drawn to those little because they look kind of like flowers. Yep, they look like flowers and they're brightly colored. You put little footholds in them so the bee can climb in and climb out. <laughs> so that was really cool. And then we made bee collages too, where we identify with the anatomy of the bee. So the kids understood kind of like, what are the parts of this, the anatomy and physiology, and then let's put it together to make our own. It's good that you're able to, to deconstruct that or just, you know, the, the last assignment or the assignment you talked about before or that one. Like, that's, you know, kind of a difficult thing to do. I think ceramics raised me that way. That's you your art. Your... That's my medium of choice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's my passion, you know. 
my my baby project, my baby mm-hmm. project, I guess I want to say my love, you know, ceramics is, and I have to approach like putting things together in that way, you know, and working with clay in that way, there's always a process, whether it be you have to wedge the clay first. If you're throwing a bowl, there's a specific process. You know, you start with the same base forms before you start to raise the walls, you know, after you center the clay. And, and it's those type of stages and steps. And you can only approach the clay if it's too wet when it's a certain stage. So you have to wait, you have to be patient. And it takes, a, I guess it takes a lot of planning engineering and that's what artists are i think we all are engineers you know it's and it starts from the blueprint of what we want to create in our mind Mm -hmm. starting from scratch there's nothing on the canvas it has to start somewhere whether you see these vibrant colors they might have to be layered you know what's the first layer that you lay you know or if it starts and you're a painter and a frame maker you know you're making your own canvas and you're pulling and stretching your own canvases Art is always a process. I was talking to another artist in the studio and he said that he was with a friend and they were in a gallery and his friend was seeing something, you know, at the art museum. He was like, well, I can do that, you know? And it kind of just diminishes the importance of art in school and how valuable it is Mm -hmm. for all the children to have that type of exposure. You know, even something as simple as somebody said, I was talking to one of the instructors and I was telling her that everybody can draw. And she said, well, no, I can't draw. And I say, you can write letters correctly, right? You can write letters, you know, and you're tracing that A. You know, you're drawing from sight. You have to look at that and draw it exactly what it is in order to communicate that this is an A or this is a B or this is a C and and then you put it into an order in order order to make a word Mm -hmm. you know so technically everybody should be able to draw from life but it's whether we put those parameters on ourselves even drawing the symbols of numbers the reason I'm saying is that in Logan County that school they don't have an art program it's not present it's only what the teachers are able to do you know with the students and they may not have you know as much as experience as you know someone trained in the field and that's one of the really important things about what arts for all kentucky has to offer because Mm -hmm. that may be the only arts program that those kids have at that time you know and you're bringing it to them and you're also you're working with the kids but you're working with the teachers too and so when you leave they will have some knowledge that they didn't have before and perhaps they will try to recreate that maybe the teacher Mm -hmm. will feel empowered to try to do a bee collage that's right yeah and she definitely the one of the teachers that i was working with on that project says she's going to add that to her project you know just that sharing of information you know to help uplift because even if they maybe can't understand one process they're learning how to problem solve through the vehicle of artwork or communicate through the vehicle of artwork Mm -hmm. you know maybe what they need And teachers are always looking for a different way to go about, you know, engaging Mm -hmm. with students. And so when you're able to go in and do that and not only just, you know, end up at, oh, I have a little painted dachshund. I know Mm -hmm. how to make a dachshund because you break it out. Yeah. They not only just know how to do that, they know how to 
mix paint colors together. Mm -hmm. They know how to, you know, address things with different shapes, you mm -hmm. know, and then, you know, over time that kind of might cultivate a curiosity and all of a sudden a, a school that doesn't have a formal art program, you know, somebody might pursue, you know, art lessons or learning more about it or in today's day and age, learn about it on YouTube and it mm -hmm. becomes a passion of theirs just because you showed them that, you know, red and yellow make orange. Yeah. So there's a, there's a real impact and it's, it's kind of like a trickling effect, but mm -hmm. that's, that's, what's great about this program. Yeah. So I would encourage all the teachers out there, contact us. A you shameless can, plug time. You can bring Cudavetti <laughs> to your school and we have a whole roster of artists who may be living in your own community and you don't even know it. Yeah. That the, a part of that assignment, we went from the flat shapes Mm -hmm. then I drew them out for the kids three-dimensionally. Mm -hmm. And that's how we got our egg shape because a lot of kids were like, well, this is a square. And I say, yeah. And then they say, well, cube. Mm -hmm. And I say, yeah, it's a part of the same family. You well, know, and I showed them how to draw the cube and draw a cone, draw a pyramid. And then we started with our modeling material, making those simple shapes to get them to identify with simple shape or the sketch and how that comes together to form, you know, the mm -hmm. object you're trying to create. Well, it might be interesting to learn a little bit about you, more about you and your background, uh, you know, and how you got into art, uh, what brought you to Kentucky. Uh, tell us a little about yourself. Okay. Um, ceramics too. I really liked when you were talking about like the process of what, how it takes and the engineering of that and mm -hmm. you know that that's a passion that had to have come from somewhere yeah Didn't just all of a sudden one day wake up and you're like i'm gonna be able to just make no a bowl. it was something uh i thought i was gonna be an illustrator i wanted to do cartoon characters comic books and just draw what was in my head you know i thought that that was the only means of you know art until I got, you know, out of high school, you know, um, drawing was the only thing or close to printmaking. You know, you, you do commercial artistry, you get your crop lines and you get it ready for press for somebody to print it out for mass production, you know. And then I got to Grand Valley State University and we went through foundations. First couple of sculptural classes, you use different types of materials and then I just chose to do ceramics. And I was blown away at how much we try to control as an artist. And this material was out of my control. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it, it takes a certain amount of time to, it has to be a certain state. You know, if you add too much water, it can collapse or you're, you're, at, you're at the mercy of the material of the clay. But also in the final result, it encompassed every other art form on the planet based on how you could, the versatility of the material. So you can still draw into it. You can still paint it as if it's a drawing and it can be a ceramic tile on your wall. So everything I loved, you know, it just has every attribute of that in itself. You brought it into three dimensions. Yep. Too. Yep. So you can work sculpturally from that 3D. You know? It seems like most kids really like to work with clay too. There's something mm -hmm. about clay that that 
that people just uh, or a lot of people just enjoy. I think I like the the different states in which the clay feels. Sometimes, depending on what's in the material of clay, you can get some grit, some sand. So you get a connection with how it feels and what it can do as well. Or if you add a bunch of water and you're throwing on the wheel and it's sliding in your hands, it's that feeling of the material. And that is so versatile. You can make it almost feel like whatever you want it to. I have some of your pieces in my car right now, mm-hmm. and I want to remember to give them back to you. Uh, okay. You were in this uh, one of Did the. Did you want to keep any of it? The collaborating artists in side by side. Yeah. And you had some kind of vessels that had faces sculpted into them. Is that a certain like style or kind of a, a they're, piece? Uh, they're, they're face jugs, face mugs. There's, is, there's a history to that, isn't it? I think. So I don't recall exactly what the history is, Mm -hmm. you know, and it may appear it depends on regional and location to, you know, some of that history. But I know it's something prominent with Kentucky. You can get a lot of faces on your mugs. And but those were actually examples I was teaching a student. Hmm. So that's where he said he wanted to make face mugs. So I was showing him, you know, based on the examples of this is how you throw a bottle, then you can add more clay to render the faces and you can stylize it in a different way. But that's what those were in particular. I had a student that was interested in that. It must take a while though so, to get to get comfortable enough with your craft because that's a lot of different dimensions. Not even just like the, the 3D effect of it, but mm-hmm. You were talking about like the the texture and the feel of it, and then kind of some of the additional sculpture elements of it. So that's a lot of things to manage during the process. It and is and still make it something that like it, all managing all of that at one time would stress me out. No, it's you find you find peace and beauty in every part of the process. You know when you're when you're creating something, it's like a, a meditative effect in each one because it takes certain amount of time, you know, regardless of what you're doing. I think that's part of like why I love clay too. There's a different process for everything. You know, we're talking about wet clay and working with wet clay, but there's a firing process, you know, like what temperature do you fire this material in order to get it to bisque temperature? How, what's the highest temperature that it can go to you know, for your glaze to react, you know, what ingredients are in there, you know, what's the highest temperature. So you got to know kind of like what's in the clay and the chemical reaction, the heat. Mm-hmm. It's got science. It's got history, history from around the world, different right. cultures, uh, you know, expressed themselves through that medium. That's right. Do you ever bring any of that into your uh, residencies? Um, definitely. We did mask at one point in time, like clay mask for the students. And I showed them different ways and different approaches that different cultures utilize the mask. And we kind of looked at the, not necessarily the symbolism from the culture, but what process did they use? How did they create this type of texture? And can you adopt those characteristics also and add them into your artwork as young artists as you're creating something what's your idea you know are you overlapping 
using overlapping with the clay? Are you, you know, is it spiky? What do you want to show? Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of those have some ritualistic meaning to it or some historical context, you know, based on whatever culture it is. You can make a lot of connections, though. Through, yep, you can. Just using ceramics. Yeah, there's always a connection through the process of any art form. You know, we take our, I guess, our own histories and add them into our work. Like are the history oh, yeah, of our I'd experiences. Say so. Yeah. You know, we add them into into our art, you know, and try to illustrate some type of message sometime or or our feelings, mm-hmm. you know, and add that the history of the individual. And I think that that's always present mm-hmm. in all art forms, but definitely in clay and ceramics. I, I like your perspective on that. You know, every everything as far as the art you create or what you're doing is all just kind of based around like mm-hmm. your upbringing or your personal history. That's really more or less the main thing you have to go by. And yeah. Unfortunately, these days, if you want to learn other things, there's a lot of resources out there to be able to do that. If, you know, for, you know, a client's sake or for a project's sake, you really got to kind of adapt your style. You've got the ability to learn. But mm-hmm. the core basis for that still kind of comes from your your initial background. I was thinking, you said what brought me to Kentucky? Yeah. My wife. <laughs> no, she got, a, she got a job at the University WKU. And I came out, I have family here, and I visited my family, and I was looking for opportunities in art, you know, when I got here. And I did some calling around and going some different places to see if they had the resources to actually do ceramics again. And by that time, I was so I was removed from when I graduated and, and really didn't play in clay for a long time, you know, because I didn't have the accessibility to studio. And I was able to find the studio Potts Place here, you know, Potts Place Gallery and Studio, and they had a space for me. And I was like, all right, it's time to move, mm-hmm. you know, time to tap in again. How do you make your workshops in you know schools and for other organizations mm-hmm. accessible for students who say do have a disability I try the project out myself and then I try to think of different potential limitations of the students and that's the initial response when creating the project then I talk to the special needs teacher and I ask her, what are the limitations of your students? And then that's when I start to modify the assignment to suit the needs of those students. You got to be creative to, to do that and to, and to be able to even think ahead of like, all right, you know, if, if this, you know, if this student doesn't have the same sort of vision as somebody else and, mm-hmm. and there's going to be that sort of limitation, how can I adapt it? You know, yeah. maybe maybe fine motor skills aren't a thing. How can this? How can we end up at as much of the same result as possible and right. make the experience still something where they learn along the way? And that does take thinking ahead. Yeah, and then there's a lot of skill in using certain type of muscles in the assignment that they may not actively be using. You know, because a lot of the younger kids are still learning how to, you know, write. They're learning coordination, hand-eye coordination. You know, just different things like that. And it helps it helps everyone, even with if it, if they can just the difference in feeling of something and they can connect with that. It's really an experience 
with these kids, like getting them to feel. What does that feel like? Ooh. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking of putting clay in their hands and then they get, this is different, it's cold, you know? Oh, it's warm. You know, it's starting to heat up. Oh my God, you know, chalk on my hands. It's all dry and, <laughs> you know, cause the clay starts to dry yeah. out as you use it. And, you know, or, oh, why is it getting firmer? Why is it cracking? You know, cause the clay needs water. And so they're starting to understand that that material just changes state just from engaging with the material alone, not even necessarily making something. I you know, think so many off. of those things that you're describing, probably most people would just take that for granted and not really realize what a sensory experience that is on so many levels. Wow, I never thought about it like that either. I just think, like, I, I think I nerd out on, you know, how you you do it, but not really think about it. Like when I'm working with clay, it's like, ooh, this is kind of cool. Well, <laughs> I wasn't know? thinking so, about it until I heard yeah. you describe it. And I just thought, wow, you know, all these different things are going on and happening just in uh, this simple, seemingly simple experience. Right. Like I had them touch things again, like when it was dry, after we left the clay out, I say, it feels different. You know, now it's harder and it feels warmer and it's chalky. It's no longer cold. It's no longer wet. You know, what do you do if it starts to dry? You got to rub it a little bit harder or squeezing it too much. What happens? You know, if you squeeze it really hard, does it get thicker, thinner? Mm -hmm. You know, it spreads out in between the parts of your hand. It, that's mm -hmm. like a, a little part of a bigger experience for them. But mm -hmm. even those little small things like, everything is formative. Like every single piece of that is gonna teach them something somehow. Yeah, and you have to, like, as a ceramicist, I have to understand that to know how far I can push the material in order to create for myself artistically. How thin can I get it with it being able to hold the type of structure that I want it to have? You know, so how much can I squeeze it? You know, but if I fire this, and it's, it can be sharp. You know, how do you mute those sharp edges? Or, you know, how far can I stretch it? And then where can I find a common place from the teacher of clay? And it's just, it's, it's that experimentation that gives me the knowledge base in order to push a artistic idea for myself. So that, I know I can share that process with the kids too. You know, just, this is weird. This is different. How? You know, why? You know, what's going to happen? And if they can get that type of, if I can get them to feel it, I can connect that feeling to more information, you know, to kind of build them, you know, or prepare them for the next phase of the assignment. And then some students may just be able to engage there, you know, there, and then I can coach them and say, well, just try this part of it. What's your favorite part of it, you know, and have them repeat that process. You know, I wish we could have made mud pies, you know, just put water in, and then we didn't have the, <laughs> it would have been a mess. They had us in the cafeteria, but when you add a bunch of clay and water together and it starts to create slip, just that, it feels so relaxing. It's what you throw with on the wheel. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. while we add water and it keeps the friction down as the clay spins through your hands it's that soft silky clay i remember making mud pies i remember digging little trenches in the dirt and Mm -hmm. having the garden hose like run through it and Mm -hmm. making little dams and but that's something that connected Mm-hmm. with your childhood and the experience with with the earth. And I think it's just a great way to kind of get kids to engage with using clay. What's mm-hmm. Now, you have a website. What's the name of that website? Or is it Muddy Hands? Or what Yeah, it? Muddy Hands. Muddy Hands. Yeah, Muddy Hands Ceramics, K-Y. That's my Facebook well, I feel like this could carry on for several several more hours, <laughs> but I think I think that's that's great, and we've got a kind of a solid like solid okay. stopping point there. But it seems like the it's a lot of perspectives that the, the you know arts for all, and then that that you bring to it as well that have just been really really special. You know, it, it seems like it it's been a really good fit. Thank you. It has been a great fit. I love sharing. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. Just know, thank just you. Thank you. Yeah, it, it really helped me understand my process too, as an artist. You know, it's helped me grow so much. Thank you all for tuning into Arts for All Kentucky Stories. Uh, it's a great opportunity for us to showcase our artists and students and parents, families impacted by Arts for All Kentucky, and to talk more about how the arts is an opportunity that's unifying uh, and inclusive for those with disabilities. Again, we'd like to thank the Kentucky Arts Council and the Kentucky Department of Education Office for Special Education and Early Learning for making all of this possible. We invite you to follow us on Facebook, uh, follow us on Spotify or YouTube, where we release the podcast to stay up to date with new releases. Again, my name is Sam Kirby, and thanks for the opportunity to host this show.